Veterans, you've got your DD-214, now what? Join Reveille Joe on the Veterans Impact Radio Show as we discuss benefits, stories from the battlefield, financial advice, and events that will plug you and your family into the community. As veterans, we will provide the knowledge to help prepare you for a new mission, a successful civilian life. Whether you're a jarhead, zoomy, squid, coasty, or grunt, you're one of us now. A United States military veteran. And now your hosts, Matthew O'Dell and Zachary Sarge Bell. Welcome to the Veterans Impact Radio Show, where we give you the information as veterans to be successful in civilian life. My name is Matthew O'Dell. I am a veteran of the United States Marine Corps, here with another veteran of the United States Marine Corps, Zachary Bell, my co-host. What's up, man? How much, man? Just excited to be here, as always. I tell you, this uh, episode I am excited about because we get to talk about the old-time down south. Uh, that's my southern accent. It, it sucks. But well, you got to work on it. You just got to let it draw. What you have to do is relax the jowls. The jowls? The jowls. The jowls. Okay. You're just like this. You're like, well, down south, we like to, you know, well, slur words a little mine, bit. Mine, mine comes out to be more like boom hour. Yeah. Like you mine's go down, more, you go down south. Mine's south. more of a Mississippi thing yep. from my Memphis slash Tupelo heritage. Yeah. I'm just being like, well, you know, this is the place from whence Elvis came. <laughs> from time to time, you go down to Tupelo, you might even see the shack where the king was born. Oh, yeah. And then a bunch of crazy Japanese kids that would literally come out like once a year and just like scream and be like, Kagubai! And like touch the shack. It was insane. <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> but it's well, great. we get to talk about uh, American born moonshine. Mm. Moonshine. I'm telling you, mm. I the first time I ever heard about moonshine was from a family member in uh, the hollers of eastern Kentucky. Mm. Um, there was a uh, the guy that lived down the way from us. He lived, uh, I guess, in a, it's like a trailer. Like you drive down the road and it kind of empties out into this valley looking area. And he was the bootlegger. That's what his name was, mm-hmm. the bootlegger. And yeah, cash only business. Right. Right, yeah. and they said uh, my grandparents always said don't don't go by this guy's house. I'm like, why? Like that's he's he's got a party going on. Why not? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you probably would have seen me there if you gone by the house. <laughs> I like learned about to... moonshine from my grandmother. Yeah, because we were poor and she knew how to do that and make. Uh, she used to be the best at homemade wine, which I was just telling. Yeah, wine. Yeah, homemade wine. Wine. Let's see that. There's okay. wine in a jo- in a bottle, and mm-hmm. then there's homemade wine. In a jar. What about the ones in the box? The box, well, you know, that's some sophisticated folk, you know, north of the Mason-Dixon, you know. Okay. We don't do that kind of stuff around here. Well. Basically, she just put booze in anything that wasn't being jarred or pickled or preserved. Hmm. So if we ran out of you know, peaches, fruit, and everything else. You just like, throw it all in that? Yeah, throw okay. it all in that, and then throw it in uh, grape Kool-Aid. That was how she drank her, her Purple drink. <laughs> she was the first lady to drink purple drink, yeah. <laughs> you know. She can remember the Depression, and she drank grape Kool-Aid and moonshine all the time. Oh, yeah. But speaking of American Board Moonshine, we are here with the co-founder, Marine veteran, Sean Coffle. How's it going, man? Hey, really good. Thank you guys for having me this morning. See, that voice, it sounds like you've been drinking moonshine today. Just like, do I, Is that how... Coming off a 14-day bender, brother. That's what happens when I, I get, my voice gets really low. I can't do it. Dude, that, never, that never happens for me. It's hungover mornings, man. Keeps me sane. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. just easing through it. This coffee's clutch. So, Thank so, you, so, sir. Yeah, well, anything to help. I'm starting to see why you're in this business now. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And you're going to be our guest co-host today. You know, three Marines in the room, and you know, one of us has got access to a distillery. <laughs> it's, <laughs> anything it's, could happen. Anything could happen. Absolutely anything. <laughs> oh, man. So we're going to come back um, and talk a little bit more about that here in a little bit. But, Zach... Um, 
tell us a little bit about what's been going on in Nashville. I've been kind of away for the past f- few months, and I feel so, I guess I feel so... Uh, disconnected? Disconnected. Distant? I, yeah. Alone? I, afraid? All yeah. by myself. I mean, you said, I mean, I don't want to go there, but yeah, there's a lot of great things happening in Nashville right now. There's a... Um, um, marine birthday ball happening oh, soon. Ooh, um, and I just told both you guys there, and I want to put that out. I want yep. everybody to be there. I don't want the you know fans to show up. I mainly don't want people to know in case something bad happens. You know, but no, it's um, it's great. It's a great time. There's a lot of events. Um, it's just it's just all happening. This is well, this I- is the busiest time of year, and I have I think one one non-event day next week. Well, I heard at that party that you're you're talking about. I heard that they have a special guest. The ghost of Chesty Puller is coming. Yeah, yeah, he's coming, and um, uh, General Lejeune, he'll he'll Lejeune. be there as well. Mm-hmm. And um, if if I can if I can pray to the war gods, I might even try to get Gunnery Sergeant Brian Walgren to show up. Wow, which is like my new goal in life, just to call him until he just like shows up in yeah. places. Yeah, because he well, will, and he'll, I'll just pay him in like. American Born Moonshine. That's a great idea. We could probably do that here uh, after the show. We could probably run by uh, the store and, and pick some up. And we could pick some up, get some of the original flavor or the apple pie. Or we could just give it to them. Old school currency. Hey. Old school currency. <laughs> um, I hope your business partner didn't hear that. Quid, uh, <laughs> quid pro quo. No, yes. no, no. Uh, scratch my back. Yeah. I scratch yours. I mean, if, if you want to do a marine-free trans- transaction, we, we can work on that. Okay, all right. And same reason that me and my wife... Uh, we're talking about renewing our. We are going to renew our vows ten years, and she's talking about people we're going to invite and stuff. And I was like, "Let's do an open bar." And she's like, mm, "No." And I was like, "What? How many Marines are coming?" She was like, "I think like 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just, that, yeah. just open for like thirty minutes, and that'll be too much. They'll just be over there just pounding it, just like <laughs> it's not going to be here long. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. Just go quick. <laughs> just go quick. Twenty nine minutes, guys. Let's make it count. <laughs> the bar closes in like oh, T minus oh. Oh, okay, let's let's uh, yeah, let's drink. Yeah, let's just I'll just be like, guys, guys, guys. It'll Kinda be a just, dollar per beer. It'll yeah, be a dollar per there beer. There you go. No, no, no. But no, but you know, lots of exciting things. There's many things happening going on. Um, it's a great time to be a marine. More so than ever, it's a great time to be in Nashville. It's kind of like being at the center of something that you'll like talk about on like a VH1 show later, like me in my 70s, like smoking or something. Like, yeah, man, I was there, dude. It was a scene, man. It was a scene. Well, the Marine Corps birthday always, um, for Marines, it means a lot. Mm -hmm. Whether whether you've been out for two months, you're actually currently in, or you've been out for like 30 years. It Mm -hmm. still means a great deal, and we're excited about it. Um, If you ever have the opportunity to go to Marine Corps Ball, I know Zach has actually been asked by – couple people like celebrities to go to a marine corps ball mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. yeah you've I mean, well, who was it um, mm-hmm. um to brag here. it was uh ellen degeneres asked mm-hmm. you yeah a couple yep. weeks ago um uh, yep and then uh yeah it was all a good deal okay diane sawyer Di- diane you know i don't like she i mean some really big names just a, are just wanting a, to go to just this a ball booze bag diane i'm, I'm telling you she's just great you know, I went that one time with Barbara Walters, and she oh. got she got all lippy with me. Well, you, you, you know, because I didn't make the tw- ten most amazing people of the year that year. And, yeah, well, you know, you gotta you gotta put her in her place. Barb, yeah. old Barb, she old Babs, Babs, you know. Yeah, you know, I don't care how many lines of coke she can do. You know, you know there's no reason to talk to me like that. <laughs> yes, you exactly. Know, I don't care if you dated Kennedy or not. You're not gonna give me that lip, lady. <laughs> Now pick up the tab. Let's go. Well, we're going to come back after this break and talk to Sean Koffel. The, uh, I, dude, this, this guy stands like seven foot tall, walks in the door. 
Man, and just a that. pure manliness. He's got he's got a plaid shirt on today, which just adds to the manliness. He's got some. I, I guess well, what it does is it covers the 15 pounds of wash up on my body. Wash yeah. up, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's probably a, 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 it's not even a five o'clock shadow. You probably got that like as soon as you woke up this morning. The right? 14 day bender wasn't a uh, joke. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what's it like being the son of the brawny man? How'd that work yeah. out for you? He's um, a you know, he's a little bit soft. You yeah. know, I, you, I got a little insecure about my soft dad, so I figured yeah. I needed to do something. You know, no, it's it's all good. I mean, I just I really feel like I'm on the set of Smallville right now. You just look. He <laughs> took got, it to Smallville. I got the, I got the clean wow. top right here. I respect that. I'm not gonna lie. I've watched right several here. episodes of Smallville. Yeah. On and the look way. at me. I'm I'm just a character that dies 30 minutes in. Jimmy Olsen. As long as I don't die 30 minutes in, I'll fine. I'll take yeah. I'll take recurring cast. That's residuals. You know, <laughs> put that money in syndication. Keep it coming. There we just go. Keep there it coming. All right, so we're going to come back after the break and talk to Sean about American-born moonshine here on the Veterans Impact Radio Show. Hey guys, this is Matthew with the Veterans Impact Radio Show. Have questions about your DD-214 or benefits? Email us. It's that easy at info at veteransimpact.com for more information. Hi, this is John with Indo Nashville, the premier co-working office space for entertainment industry entrepreneurs and professionals. Perfectly situated between Music Row, the Gulch, and downtown in the heart of Sobro, located at 632 Fog Street. Indo Nashville is three floors with over 11,000 square feet of co-working space, meeting rooms, and songwriting rooms. For information on Indo Nashville, go to indonashville.com. That's I-N-D-O-Nashville.com. Souls for Souls, the Nashville-based nonprofit that collects and distributes shoes and clothing to people in need, is proud to sponsor Salute for Souls, a program designed to help veterans and their spouses start their own small businesses. Salute for Souls is similar to a franchise, but without the upfront cost of the veteran. Start your own business and help Souls for Souls wear out poverty. To find out how, visit soulsforsouls.org. That's S-O-L-E-S, the number four, S-O-U-L-S dot org. Souls for Souls. Murfreesboro Business Machine, your smart business solution. Locally owned, MBM has been solving business office issues for over 17 years. If your business needs to print it, copy it, fax it, scan it, or mail it, we can help. Call us today and speak with one of our friendly staff to get started on solutions for solving your business office issues. Find us on Facebook or mbmsmartsolutions.com. That's mbmsmartsolutions.com. Neither the United States of America nor the world community of nations can tolerate deliberate deception and offensive threats on the part of any nation. This is Jacob Schick with 22 Kill. Professor Ken McLeish from the Center for Medicine, Health, and Society at Vanderbilt University. This is Drew Hernandez from a combat veteran. I'm Max. I'm the creator of Terminal Land. This is Ryan Weaver, and you're listening to the Veterans Impact Radio Show. Welcome back to the Veterans Impact Radio Show, where we provide the roadmap for ju- the journey ahead. I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Matthew O'Dell. Yut. And our new guest co-host, co-founder of American Born Moonshine, Marine veteran, captain, all-around cool guy, and not the quarterback, Sean Koffel. How's it going, Sean? Hey, pretty good. Pretty good day to not be the quarterback. Pretty good day to not be the quarterback, yeah. 
Yeah, listen, and I uh, can't talk about football without getting upset about the Titans right now. We're just going to let that go. And it'll also date this this uh, podcast if the coach was fired. Well, um, yeah. Oh, Barney. <laughs> oh, sorry. We just can't can't win anything. Anyways, so um, so I've, i got to say, I first found out about your product when um, my brother-in-law, he uh, showed up, uh, let's say, last year. I feel like you guys, was that when you guys got started? Last year, maybe? No, we got rolling in, uh, we started the business in 2012, maybe it was but two- launched 13. Okay, so like I know it just hit a few stores. It was like local stuff, and I, I knew it was like Inner Hub in Nashville, and it was like in Franklin. And so he's like, "Hey, dude, there's this." Um, somebody told me there was this um, uh, moonshine made by Marine Veteran. He's like, "I bought it for you for your birthday present." And I was like, "Well, I I guess I'll just have to drink like all you of." Couldn't this have now. picked up Jack. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you wanted it that kind of night. I yeah, was like, seriously. I was like, yeah. So, you know, to me, when he said that, in my mind, it felt like Zach whatever happens next you're excused for your actions and so but before we get started about that i want to talk about you and where it all began though yeah no absolutely well, first of all thanks for having me on dude uh, it is our pleasure it's our pleasure and thank you so much to everyone for, for veterans and that's awesome oh uh, dude uh, you're you're doing great stuff because you're showing people what they can do after service man absolutely well I, you know i grew up in northern california uh left home when i was 18 and went to the university of arizona played lacrosse down there and had a great time uh, University that, of Arizona is a good place to be a single guy when you're 18, 19, 20 years old. Is it old. true, all the stuff they say? It's true. That's the number one party school, right? Talk about. Is that What's the number that? one party school? It was when I was there. That's uh, the one in Phoenix. We go back and forth to the ASU. So it's, it's Tucson it's and Tucson. Tempe. Okay. So, Tucson. yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's two of them, right? Yeah, right. So, I mean, second in the nation's not bad hey, either man. way. Hey, you know, I think we were first at times, they were first at times, but, uh, you know. I'd rather be a wildcat. Some okay. devils are kind of soft. Some devils are kind of soft, yeah, huh? That's what it is. Um, just you meet him on the cross field, just like <laughs> that's it. The or, the fight, or the bar fight, or the bar fight battlefield, man. That's where it all happens. Really? That's where it all happens. So uh, why is it such a big party school? I always wondered. I have this theory that because it's in a desert, both of these schools, that the recreational activities include a lot of. Uh, um, drinking and drinking. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the desert's pretty wide open, so you can get into a lot of trouble. There's yeah. a lot of room to move around down there. Um, I mean, and it's the Wild West, and you can feel it. I mean, I think, like, there's no other school in the nation where you drive up to a stoplight, two dudes look at each other, and all of a sudden there's, like, a bar fight, not in a bar, in a crosswalk, and you're like, why are we fighting? Like, really? We, it's like this violent, awesome, ragey place, and insert all the hottest girls from Southern California, and all of a sudden you have a... It's really like that. No it's kidding. It's awesome. It's awesome. That's... The, uh, I was there uh, in 2010 for my Army uh, training school. After I got out of the Marine Corps, I went to the Army, and I was in Sierra Vista. Did you ever make it down to the the crap hole of Sierra Vista? Is it? Are you talking about the intelligence, the Army intelligence base, Fort Huachuca, or whatever it is? Fort Huachuca. Absolutely. (laughs) Saw the Tombstone along the way. Saw the fake gun show. It was awesome. Bisbee, always a great time. Um, Bisbee's especially big on Wednesday nights. I'm joking. That man, yeah. man, love. Just plug in a bar. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, that's uh, yeah. It's a, it was it was a fun time. Tucson, absolutely amazing. It's a fun time, man. Yeah, it's a fun time. But uh, just don't don't drink a whole bunch and then go out to the desert because that's not a woman. That's a cactus. That's the truth, and that hurts. Speaking from experience, huh? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of ways that. Well, I'll leave that alone. But it's uh, it's a great time. It's a great time. A lot of ways to make things hurt down there. You're impressing me and scaring me at the same time. Hey, it's a great trait. Hey, it's well, great the only time. thing I know about Arizona is I have a good friend of mine who lives in Phoenix, and mm-hmm. a good friend of mine lives on res. Are you familiar with this term? Uh, yeah. Reservation. Is yes. Native yeah. American. On res. Yep. His uh, he is Navajo to the bone. His name's uh, uh, I should I can say it. yeah Adrian Blue Curly. Love the guy to death. He actually gave me um, one of my first tattoos. Awesome. Yeah, we did it in his barracks room one day. <laughs> yeah, like a guitar yeah. string, or how'd you do it? That. Uh, no, 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 not a guitar string. We uh, found some string in the toilet that we just sharpened up. Awesome. But no, it was just a needle, and like, you know, it's just like 
typical Marine logic. I was like, he can draw good. And so he was like, that means I can tattoo good, which, you know, there's a speed in the motor and all that stuff. This one came out a little scratchy, but he did this other one. Yeah. Like after Damn. the second deployment. And both of them happened the same way. I was uh, I was That's at work, awesome. you know, and I wasn't a boot, so I didn't have much to do. So how's that hepatitis coming? You know, it's good. I just like to share it. That's, um, that's always a plus. <laughs> no. You always got to share that stuff. <laughs> no, man. I mean, between all the alcohol was dipped in and the, the ones on mine and his breath, I don't, it was the most, you could have done open heart surgery in that room. You know? <laughs> it, was, it was great. But um, he did it, and I, I was, remember I was, I was texting my wife my Blackberry, right? And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm getting a tattoo. I love you. Bye. And I came home and I had saran wrap all around my arm because we were still sleeves up. And I don't know how I didn't get yelled at. And she was like, what did you do? I was like, look what I did, babe. Look what I did. She's like, how much was it? I gave him some Jack Daniels. Boom. Boom. I told you, old school currency, brother. Old that's school it. currency. That's and that's it. why you have to be a bootlegger that's and share that. the shine all that's day it. long. That's it, man. So when you uh, when you got out of the Marine Corps or out of, out of uh, college after playing lacrosse. Well, so it started in college. So okay. I showed up in Arizona in okay. August of 2001. And so a month later, September 11th happened, and uh, I immediately knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to drop out and enlist right away, um, but my family wanted me to finish school and uh, talked to them a lot about that. And it was a big decision. And then basically joined the what's called the platoon leader class, where you go to OCS between your junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. You did that. Mm-hmm. How well, was that? Well, so I actually I, I hurt my knee playing lacrosse, and so I stayed the summer between my junior and senior year, did physical therapy, and took summer school, then graduated early that December so I could go. Um, at the time, I mean, this was 05, or excuse me, it was 04, I thought the war was going to end and I wasn't going to get my shot, so I wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. And, uh, <laughs> Let's you know, go, put me in coach. That's it, man. You know, yeah. Fallujah was going on, and it was it was super intense. I wanted, I wanted to do, what I, do my part. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it. I think it, I felt that way too, and I was, I was still in high school. Mm-hmm. I was in high school, and I remember feeling because my cousin was in it at that time, and I was like, "Dude, this is like because it, it was climaxing, like that was that was the big thing going on right yeah. there." And I was no, like, "Surely not. it won't continue." That's what I kept thinking, but no. So. And so the so I went to OCS actually. I graduated in December, and then went to OCS that January, and then spent nine months in Quantico, and then went to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, for artillery school, um, and then went to Third Battalion, Eleventh Marines in 29 Palms. It's God's country out there. It's the best place to be stationed in the Marine Corps. So you, Ooh, rah. 29 Stumps is the best place. Dude, it's the best, man. I, look. If you so, like to blow shit up. No, I'll tell you the truth. So You're partial to the desert. I got to I got to choose like the unit I was going to. I picked 211 out in Pendleton thinking, look, all my buddies are in North County, San Diego. It's going to be a great time. Like I was already looking at apartments. I got a 949 area code on my cell phone, which I still have, which is super weird. Never lived in Orange County in my life. And uh, Poser. Ended up. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> And then halfway through, uh, halfway through Fort Sill, they uh, needed two guys to go to deploying units, so they switched our orders to 311. And I was like, "Man, 29 Palms." Got there and absolutely loved it. I mean, you're with a bunch of dudes that see things the same way. You're two and a half hours from Vegas, San Diego, and LA. Single guy, it's a pretty good time. Two and a half hours from everywhere. That's right. That's right. Which is which is kind of looking on the. It's a glass is half full yeah, way to look at it. Right. But, yeah. Um, I, uh, oh. it, yeah. Yeah. I, did you I, ever I, take I part in, in CACs out there? Oh, man. Every time that uh, a deploying unit came through, we yeah. supported it. That's um, awesome. At the Is time that where you all do your training and stuff for like FO stuff and do fire missions? Yeah, I mean, stuff. as an artillery guy, I was a Ford Reserver. I mean, it was just the best place ever to be stationed because not only did we get our unit training, but every time, I mean, 1-6 when they came through on that Ramadi tour, I got to, you know, do their CACs with them or the Mojave Viper or whatever it was called at the time. Yeah. And then uh, – it was still, I think it was still called CACs, and then it became Mojave Viper. When I left, it was EMV. What was that? 
What's EMD stand for? Enhanced Mojave Viper. Boom. That's <laughs> four dimensional warfare, baby. Yeah. Dude, I I've I've decided there's just some guy who gets a little bit of gets a little bit of you know back end money every time they change the name and he's like, oh, you want to go to EMV? It's like a kernel promotion. Little royalties right there. Little royalties right there. You know, you got a nam for that one. Yeah, nam them. You just, just you change the with one word. Oh, nam. There's some BC opens up the drawer and he's like, hang on one second, let me. You want to? How about a NAFCOM? You got one NAF? You got a NAFCOM? I got one. No, we just gave enlisted guys. We just gave that to. We just gave that to Captain Johnson. Would. But good conduct work. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of what we have left. What about a star? Mm-hmm. Pick a color. Pick a color. Yeah. Any star. Pick a color. Bronze, <laughs> silver, whatever makes your eyes dance, sweetheart. Come on. Come on. Come on. So when when you uh, when you decided to uh, join the Marine Corps, what was your anticipation um, or what was your thoughts of how this next step in your life was going to go? You know, I think at the time, I mean, growing up, I'd always wanted to serve in some capacity. Um, you know. My father, who's an Australian guy, been in the military and in, in the Air Force in Australia. And uh, my mom's side of the family had deployed to all their generations' wars. And uh, it was just kind of something I assumed I would do when I got older. Um, mm. And on 9 11, uh, it made it really clear right away that morning what I wanted to do. I mean, the Marine Corps is the Marine Corps, and I wanted to go kick mm-hmm. ass and be a Marine. And awesome. I think my anticipation was that simple. I just saw four years ahead of me, and I wasn't necessarily thinking how this was going to fit into sort of the grander scheme of things. I just knew I wanted to be a Marine for as long as as they'd keep me and uh i uh i know somebody else thinks the same way i did and uh yeah, and, yeah i mean uh, you're just like yeah just this is now i was like let's do it mm-hmm. you know rock and roll and i think that uh i think at the time you, know, you guys were probably in the same boat i was so pissed about what they'd done in new york and what they were continuing to do and the guys in our generation over there fighting i'm not the kind of dude to stay out of a bar fight i'm certainly not a guy to stay out of our generation's war so i just wanted to go get some and awesome. uh the marine corps were to do it well i felt like it was the one event that made the entire world smaller for everyone yeah, no, absolutely, man. Like, that was when, like, New York became a, a place in my country. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I like, totally agree with you. I totally like, agree with you. I mean, it may be, a, may be different if, like, my kids won't ever have this, because I, I was in eighth grade, and they're five and seven, and Val won't have this either, I wouldn't think. Because, like, the world's small to them already at their age, because they have technology and stuff. But, like, I, I just remember being like, oh, oh, there's, like, stuff outside of my state now. And this is like an attack from a different country. And then like having to put all that in perspective, like there's whole countries of people that are dedicated just to hating like this way of life that I have and stuff. And I was just like, uh, I have to do something about this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was like, look, if you're going to throw a punch, we're going to kick you in the fucking face and I'm yeah. going to be a part of that. And just blaring Toby Keith. Yeah, like, dude, I can't even tell you. So I, into it. So into so, it. Like, 18-year-old oh, just, like, smoking it. Lee yeah. Greenwood was in there. Lee, like, absolutely. Yeah. Just, absolutely. Just American girls. Yeah, That's totally, not to get copyrighted on. Totally. But just a you know, because it really summed up how people felt. And it's, I think it's still kind of carried on. But, you know, for me, it was this thing of, like, I just have to do something. and have to get into it. Yep. But um, talk about your job, though, in, in the Marine Corps, just so our audience uh, can understand better. Like, uh what exactly does an FO do? Yeah, so I was an artillery officer, in 0802. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I, I was really attracted to the fire support side of it and mm-hmm. wanted to be a, what's called a forward observer. Basically, you call in artillery rounds on the enemy. You're attached to the infantry. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a small team of four Marines mm-hmm. that works with the infantry company you're attached to to support them with artillery fire. Um, usually, 
you also help out coordinating air um, and where necessary coordinating You're waters. JTAC, JFO, all that stuff too? Um, I did like the initial – the JFO thing wasn't there when I was there. So mm-hmm. basically they gave you the initial training and they were like, here you go. If you don't have a JTAC, then here's what a nine line is. And like yeah. go to Coronado and here's like JTAC Priber. Go get him. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then pilots will act all facetious when you talk to him. Hey, man, it's all right. Just calm down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are dying down here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> People are dying down here, bro. <laughs> So yeah. t- tell me, what's it actually like being a lieutenant that can't read a map? <laughs> right. So, you know, I think... Uh, I'm sorry. You know, look, I, I mean, I think that uh, if you talk to any of my Marines, I was probably more enlisted than I was an officer, that's which awesome. meant I could also read a map. Yeah. Uh, it turns out. I mean, you, so, you stink of it. And that's, that's what it. I think to say yeah. this. You don't seem like you were a good officer. Right. Well, I think I was a good officer because I wasn't a typical that's, company grade you know, officer. Like I would have been a really bad major. Do you know that's what, what I mean? That's what, like, that's what but I'm I was saying, a good like, second lieutenant. I mean, honestly, I think that the the reason I ended up getting out of the Marine Corps was I realized that as your career progresses on the officer side, that you get further and further away from having guys on the ground. Now that being said, man, I had some awesome lieutenant colonels like yeah, and Sparky Renforth, who was a battalion commander, who was just as much on the ground grunt as anybody in the universe. Um, so that's not a blank statement at all, but. I think just from your responsibilities, you end up having to be in an office. You got to you gotta just ride the pine. And even if you're enlisted, like I thought about enlisting, I think about re-enlisting, I was, and I was really looking at doing like the MESEP program to switch over, but I just mm-hmm. couldn't. I didn't pass physical and stuff. But it was, it was this thing of like, if I enlist for the rest of my life until the day I die, my biggest problem and concern will be what an 18-year-old that I'm in charge of did wrong today. You know, and like I'll be a first sergeant or I'll be a gunny or whatever, and like I'll, I just still wanted to like operate because like you're just doing your job. I think I think the wildest thing and the coolest thing about being a marine that I learned that I think about every day now in the civilian world is that 18 and 19 year old PFCs and lance corporals Mm -hmm. that were in my platoon in Iraq made international policy decisions every day by choosing to not by choosing to follow the ROE by -hmm. choosing to do the Mm -hmm. right thing. And at the same time, taking care of each other and bringing each other home. And it's interesting to see them come home and folks are like, well, hey, man, do you think you can handle like three guys like in this part of like this business? They're like, dude, are you kidding me, man? Like, <laughs> yeah. I kept our country off CNN yeah. for seven months. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, it's this weird thing where it's just like, w- w- what's your policy on punishment? No hazing? Yeah, exactly right. I guess discipline's not a real high on right. priority yeah, yeah, in this yeah. organization. Yeah, no, hundred percent. But, no, but what's it like? Um, you know, so so like you're you're an FO, right? You're out there. Yeah, sorry. You so. th- no, no, you. This is me, right? Yeah. Right? Call for fire, saying, man. Call front. That's it. Started it. Line one. You smoked it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, no. That's so. one down. No. So you're doing. You're running through the yep. steps and stuff. Do you remember that like first mission, right? Like that first. I do, first, man. It the hooked first me. big mission and like the thought of. What if my pods rep and my sit rep are? Yeah, you know, I think. Or that like, the, what if? What if you just miss a line? Not even if you're bad. What if broken and unreadable? Look, I was super, super fortunate to have mentorship along the way. I think it, you know, I got hooked on being an FO at, at the basic school in Quantico, mm-hmm. um, and just loved the idea of coordinating fires and also being able to do the frontline infantry piece, which mm-hmm. was the two things I really wanted to coordinate. Oh no, it's with. an insanely terrifying job because you know what they tell you when you're going through these things. You know, and I've done some missions as well. Is that, you know. Once the pilot or once the gun line releases the round, they release the responsibility of it. Like it's, it's your round. Yeah. It's literally yours. Yep, it's your round. And I, I don't mean, think people understand that because it's there's nothing else in the world where you do where you're like if you're a quarterback, right? And which you, which you're you're not. Which I'm not. Yeah, you're not. I'm. You're, not. You're, I'm you're uh, not, you know, I, uh, I run security for a quarterback. You run security for a quarterback <laughs> and American-born moonshot. That's it. But yeah. um, so but you're the quarterback, but you're not the one throwing the ball. The the running back has it. 
Right. right? And you're just saying uh, left, right, up, down. Yeah, you know, I think that the I had a guy named, at the time, Staff Sergeant Bellows, who is now Mass Sergeant Bellows, who mm-hmm. got me my tattoo as a gift on the way out. He's the man. Mm-hmm. Um, who kind of took me under his wing when I was a second lieutenant and really showed me the ropes. And my RFO teams at 311 were so on point because all the enlisted guys were out every CACs. They were at every Mojave Viper. They were the best in the business, and I was super proud to be part of that unit. And uh, the young Lance Corporals and Staff Sergeants coached me through, and by the time I was in a position where – you know, months and months later where I was the one actually running the show on the Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, it, well, let me rephrase that. They trusted me enough to let me at that point. Yeah. Um, then I feel like I was in a good position, but it was only because of guys like Master Arm Bellows and Lance Corporal Matney and Corporal Ruta, who's a stud, who got an electric guitar tattoo of Slayer with a string on it. It's pretty funny. I'll talk yeah. to you later. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's a lot of guys, you know, Ben Brashear, a lot of, who's a Memphis boy. Um, a lot of guys in that I team that I were awesome. I, knew, I think I know that person, actually. Um, and uh, so anyway, so I've never actually heard an officer say any of that. That's 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 really cool because you know that's the way it's really supposed to go. Is that you know when you're a second lieutenant, the staff NCO's job is to help you grow, and you guys are just a team, and like he 100%. gives you his military experience, and you provide that overarching 100%. leadership. Because like, realistically, what it's supposed to look like is what I've always thought is an officer, just like a platoon level or any level really, um, and the commanding officer is like a CEO. Like, his job is to dream big dreams and to do these things and have a vision and a plan beyond the day-to-day. The staff NCO is the COO. His job is to worry about how orders are being shipped, how work's being done on a daily level, and to make sure the machine runs, but one hand has to help the other. And, you know, I think that when when I was going through TBS, though, we had some awesome instructors that were junior officers like captains, guys like Brian Shantosh and Cap O'Donnell. No way. And guys that— Shantosh, Shantosh. Yeah. no way. He was at TBS when I was there. And those guys came back from Fallujah and places like that. And they were like, look. Is he the one that picked up the RPG? Yeah. Stud. <laughs> and they were like, your job's to be, to all of us. You know, we had a class of 250 guys. They're like, you're a fucking warrior leader. You're not a guy that sits back and watches. And yeah. They were, they held every single person accountable. I mean, I think that when we were all in, it was a really special time with the Marine Corps. And I was really fortunate to learn from guys like that and learn from enlisted guys like Matt and Aruda and, and, uh, and Bellows. And I think that. Well, no, it, it just has to be a, like a working relationship. 100%. It's, you know, I was very fortunate. I had that twice in my platoon commanders and even my company level. But there were some times that I saw that to where, like, one would take over the role of the other and vice versa. And I just never understood it. And so, like, especially when I was looking into going into being an officer, I was like, uh, okay, so this is how it should work and this is what it would look like and everything else. But I mean, 1-6, you guys had some awesome lieutenants too, man. Favor and Matsky, two mm-hmm. dudes that, you know, when they were in Amazing Mahdi in 06, we, they were studs. And I, I really respected a lot. Who's the, who's the guy who's coming on? The we're, we're trying to get um, um, Khan, uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Khan. Genghis oh, Khan. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome, um, man. He lives here. He yeah, he lives. No, uh, yeah, yeah, that's killer. Lives. Tell you all but yeah, 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 he lives here. That's killer, man. <laughs> so we're, there's a, there, it's a small world. Uh, the Marine Corps definitely shapes some amazing people. And the military in general shapes uh, some amazing people. It's just a, a matter of finding where we are as as veterans, that where we fit. Where do we as as individuals find the best fit in in civilian society, and you guys, you have, um, you've you've done a great job transitioning, um, but I'm sure that it wasn't as easy as it, it looks like. Because right now, this this thirty thousand foot view of what American born moonshine is, it's awesome. You've got all these things going on, um, but I'm sure it took a lot of steps, a lot of work and heartache to get here, right? No, sure. I mean, I think. Look, I learned from some awesome people to get me ready to to do the best job I can in this role. I mean, I think 
I got attached to second LAR as their FO and ended up being a rifle platoon commander for him under a guy named Sparky Renforth, who's the man, and learned a lot there about leadership and, and taking risks. And then had the opportunity to um, be a XO of Lima 311 on the Mew. It was killer. My boss um, did a special meeting, a special mission for uh, um, Sock Pack and got to run the battery for the last few months and learned a lot. And when I got out, I went to business school with Pat and uh who's now my business partner um i think that that piece of the transition was interesting you know when i got to business school my buddies were going back on another tour and i mm-hmm. felt like i wasn't necessarily um being there for them you know because they were there and i was in like palo alto california with a bunch of dudes that just got off wall street right yeah so so what is what is that like though because yeah. i'm curious to i've i don't know anybody and I don't, maybe you do i don't know anybody who's gone back to school like as an officer because like you have college Mm -hmm. and like you're older and like especially going into graduate school like you're actually at the median range Mm -hmm. people that do that you know going back to undergrad i was i was the oldest you know now i'm I'm just below the average in graduate school like Mm -hmm. what is that like though it was cool i mean it was a it was a great experience i think that to be honest i was probably uh especially the first year it was a little bit of culture shock i definitely had a different experience than the dudes that were coming off wall street i mean it was right after the everything that happened in 2008 and you know everyone was putting their iphones in my face showing me the stock market i was like dude i don't even know what nasdaq is <laughs> <You know? laughs> well is it isn't it weird like the first time you realize you just can't just like slap a phone across the room yeah like, dude i had that? a razor bro like, yeah, I, like yeah. seriously i was like with my flip phone thought yeah. it was awesome and like all of a sudden you know because i i my deployment years were 60708 i yeah. came back and everyone had a website about themselves with like, their favorite picture of music on it called facebook i was like i would never do that right yeah. <laughs> like it was yeah. just like a totally different world than the one i'd left yeah oh you're like, oh, man, how's AOL doing? They're dead. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Not around anymore. How's Clarice works? Y'all still using that for work processing? Yeah. Can, can I can I still uh, use my 60,000 um, free hours on AOL? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I've still got these discs. Exactly. Um, exactly. Where do I put these? Yeah, these free so hours. AOL instant messaging, is that still cool? No? Yeah. Okay, cool. No, got it. No, no, Dude, got hit us. me up on a, uh, AIM. AIM. I thought texting was soft. I was like, I'll never do that. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> Turns out it worked. All the time. Turns out it's how I communicate yeah. with everyone. Yeah. No, so, 100%. But so to, you, went back, uh, you went back to school uh, to get your MBA yep. uh, from Stanford. Yep. Um, finished, well, during that time, you actually met um, your now business partner, Pat uh, yep. Dillingham. Yep. Right? Pat and Dillingham. Dillingham. Not, I guess, depends on probably where you're from. If you're from the South, you're probably from Dillingham. That's it, man. I don't know. Hey, he'll take it. Anyway, he'll take it. So, um, take you, it. you met you met Pat. Um, how did the the discussion about um, creating, um, I guess, Windy Hill Spirits and then also American Born yeah. Moonshine? So, um, you know, it's pretty funny, man. I think that you guys all remember and your your evidence of it. I mean, the Marine Corps is basically the Confederate Army, right? I mean, all my buddies just coincidentally happened to be from down this way, and mm-hmm. uh, I spent. A lot of my social time when I was there, kind of 21 to 25, in and out of little parts of the South that I wouldn't have been invited to had I not gone to war with somebody's son. And uh, just made a lot of awesome Damn friendships right. down here. But also just developed a huge appreciation for Southern Mountain culture. I, I didn't even know there was a legal moonshine market. I knew a lot about illegal moonshine just from the barstool side, <laughs> from drinking it, from yeah. people whose families made it. And, you know, Pat and I always say, man, two things the South does really well amongst others is make awesome warriors and awesome football players. And, uh, you know, Pat and I had the opportunity to know a lot of those boys along the way. And got him crying over there. Man. A lot of the guys, <laughs> there you go. A lot of it's, guys in past no, locker just room. SEC country, hey, that's it, dude. <laughs> you know, a lot of guys in past locker room at Notre Dame were guys that, um, you know, 
went up there to freeze their ass off and stuff, play for Saban down here, right? And yeah, uh, which is like an interesting decision. <laughs> yeah. right? There were too um, many mutants on Saban's team. Yeah, right yeah, exactly right, yeah. exactly right. And so, uh, you know, I think we both just really organically found our way to appreciating everything that Moonshine stood for. And uh, never thought in a million years, honestly, we'd ever start a Moonshine company though. But came down here in 2010 for a buddy's wedding and we're sitting around a rehearsal dinner bonfire mm-hmm. and his wife's family was passing their recipe around. And uh, it's a big, it's a big, big thing to have your, your recipe. And it's like, hundred percent, you know, this, this came back way back when, when your grand, great granddaddy used to fight, the, <laughs> used to fight the union soldiers. We never do trust Yankees. That's right. <laughs> they, they burnt the farm down and killed everyone. I was five, and that was how my grandmother used to put me to bed every night. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, Grandma. <laughs> all right, Grandma, I'm just going to have some horrible nightmares. That's yeah. all right. I, I'm going to yeah. take me a sip yeah. out of the sipping jar. That's what she said, yeah. No, that's right. And, I mean, I think that, you know, um, the conversation that night actually turned to how pissed off everyone there was about what was happening in the legal moonshine market, which, frankly, I didn't even know existed that night. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the early movers in the category buying basically bulk vodka, just grain neutral spirit, you read mm-hmm. it on their jar, yeah. putting it in a foreign made mason jar and calling it moonshine and making it like 40 proof and then telling this like Yosemite Sam Hillbilly story. And yeah. I think Pat and I really, really identified what they were saying and heard it. And as we got drunker and drunker that night, we were like, well, fuck, we start a moonshine company that pays respect to the actual tradition. You know, yeah. and like, I think we woke up the next morning and, for the next year, talked about this more than we were talking about our day jobs. And then at the beginning of 2012, we left our jobs. Both of us were working actually in New York at the time um, after business school. And uh, it's funny. I mean, part of that story. I mean, basically, dude, I got to business school and realized I didn't know I didn't know algebra, right? <laughs> and I needed to learn pretty oh. quickly. Oh yeah, preach. what was going on preach, in like yeah. in the analytics world? And you know, these guys were so far ahead of me. I mean, I took college algebra twice, not because I liked it, right? Yeah. And so let's the, talk uh, about six sigma. Let's talk about lean. Yeah, hundred percent. And so, <laughs> um, actually, had an opportunity. No shit. Yeah. I actually had an opportunity to work at Morgan Stanley in New York. And went and did that for two years. It was pretty funny, man. I never thought I'd work in New York City. It's California boy. Did but... you go in there like Ben Affleck and uh, Goodwill Hunting? Man, I went there pretty Retainer. quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, totally, man. I, mean, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I remember walking into the first day of training, and all these dudes are in like Italian suits, just crushing. I came in like khakis with like a tucked-in shirt. I was like, uh. And they're like, who does? So, who does? Who stands out here? We hear about the job. Yeah, totally, man. Um, but uh, anyway, so Pat was up there too. He's working at McKinsey. And, um, we, uh, during that year, like I said, we were talking about this more than we were talking about our jobs and we ended up leaving our jobs at the beginning of 2012 and hit the road for a year, just crashing our buddy's couch, couches kind of in and around Appalachia down in the Delta and up in North Florida, down in North Florida. And, really? uh, yeah. Yes. And just working on our recipes yeah. and, uh, and listening, man, we sat around a lot of dinner tables and never heard one story about banjos and overalls heard a lot of stories like you said honestly about people's great grand great great grandfathers coming back in the civil war to little mountain towns got burned down well yeah what it, what it really this is what i was always told is that moonshine stuff comes from a tradition of not of basically not having the basic necessities of traditional alcohol making on your own so you make it out of grain and mash and stuff because it's cheaper and stuff that was available and so that was why it was such an important thing because it was kind of like a sign of i don't say a sign of poverty but some of a tradition of saying that like you know, we made it on our own. We didn't. Need yeah, I mean, look, stuff. all it is. People took historically. People took their excess corn crop yeah, that yeah. they couldn't sell at market. Yeah, it was and just it was just, it was just waste. That's it part was of the waste. mountain barter system. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. 
you know, I think that if you go back to his, to the beginning of Moonshine, Scots Irish settlers came to Jamestown in 1680, right? There's no aging houses here, but they have their Scottish distilling traditions. Mm-hmm. And during the Revolutionary War, we pair soldiers in gin, rum, and whiskey. And those mm-hmm. same Scots Irish settlers were after the war were living in Western Pennsylvania, where there's still a big, strong community of Scots Irish people. And when they levied the whiskey tax to pay down the debts from the War of Independence, those guys were like, "Wait a second, we just fought a war against taxes we don't agree mm-hmm. with. What the fuck, we're going to pay you." Mm-hmm. taxes on the booze that we're making out here and they the, you guys remember whiskey rebellion from school mm-hmm. they rebelled and then after the rebellion marched south to what was then the frontier which is now kentucky and tennessee and mm-hmm. kept making their their moonshine which is just unaged corn whiskey by the light of the full moon hence the term moonshine and then used it as a means to get through reconstruction and the depression and made a little bit of money during prohibition i mean i think that the the story isn't about hillbillies getting drunk i mean which is why we're so pissed off at what the other brands are doing. It's a story of tough families doing whatever it took to get through really difficult yeah, times. Perseverance. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. It, was, it was commerce. It was currency. Exactly right, brother. You know, you, like you literally made something out of nothing, you know, and like you know, my grandmother's house, and it's, it's still to this day, it was built by her her grandfather who built it after like Sherman's, Sherman marched south through Atlanta and like burnt everything down. Yep. You know, and like we'd always hear these stories stuff of like this is this is like how bad things used to be and how we, our family perseveres and all that stuff. And like she was so old school. Like I remember when we got her um, uh, indoor plumbing that she was conv- <laughs> she was convinced it was the devil because the water would start running through the pipes and she would say there's Satan in the steel pipes, boy. <laughs> And it's like, yeah. Grandmother, you're, you're 80 years old. You can't keep walking out to the outhouse. The board's going to give way. <laughs> you're going to break a hip, Grandma. She, she was like, I gave birth to more kids and years you'll be alive, sonny. It was like, yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be out there. But, no, it's because it's, it's, you know, and I, and I like someone who takes them in the, and they love what they do in the honor tradition because, you know, like this is, this is like mine and Matt's passion project. And so, I, you know, I've done a lot of things. I can really relate to someone who's just like going into like a Morgan Stanley and just <sighs> – just feeling trapped. I, I know me and Matt first were talking about this. We were both kind of stuck in a in a rut for a while to where you're just like, hmm, well, I'm pretty sure I'm living the equivalent of beating my head against the wall. You know, and, and I feel like it's really easy just just kind of go internal and just um, kind of stay safe, you know? Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it goes like to where you to... just reside to just being like, this is what life is now. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, no, I do know what you mean. I do know what you mean. I mean, I think that, you know, it goes back to the story of Moonshine, right? I mean, the people who did this where it's just all it is is like kind of a representation of the American rebel spirit and mm-hmm. the kind of best of American ingenuity and independence. And I think that when you're in that spot where you feel like you're kind of stuck in a in a rhythm and it may not be a rhythm you want to be a part of, like, look, I felt really fortunate to be at Morgan Stanley. They didn't need to take a chance on a dude that went to University of Arizona and was a Marine, you know. Uh, most of those guys went to some fancy Ivy League school. I certainly didn't do that. Mm-hmm. And uh but at the same time, you know, I knew that I wanted to to build something with Pat and I both knew we wanted to build something that kind of stood for what we believed in. And I think that, you know, when I talk to dudes that are getting out of the military now, I think that it's really important that they understand the skills that, that they gained there that they may not even know they have. Yeah, um, I mean, you're exactly right. And this is why whenever somebody tells me the first job that they want after the Marine Corps, what is it? They want a management job or they some sort of – they, they want to start making that money. You know, management right. or they say law enforcement. Right. Right. Like right out the gate. And I'm like, that, not that that's bad. Not blah, 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 whatever. This just is what it is. But everyone says that. I said it. I said that. I said contract. I mean, you did contract yeah. stuff. And so, like, you, you play your strengths. But I feel like when you play your known strengths, you miss out on your um, unknown strengths. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, I think that, you know, when I look when I look at our country today, right, and I talk to guys our age who are either frustrated with what they're doing or they're frustrated with kind of the state of our nation, which I hear from a lot of people. I think that 
the thing I always say is like, look, man, we have 2 million guys coming back who have military and a big percentage of those guys have combat experience. And that's a, a, a skill set that most generations aren't blessed with. Those guys that are coming back with those experiences, like we said, made international policy decisions every day. They lived with a different kind of accountability than most generations did in that age. It didn't have the, the opportunity to go serve their country in a combat mm-hmm. environment. And with that kind of skill set coming back to the workforce, I think it's really important that all veterans across industry and doing things like you guys are doing, encourage guys to chase their dreams using those skills and think outside the box about what those skills really gave them. I mean, dude, if you're a, if you're a corporate, if you're a Lance corporal in the Marine Corps, the chances of you managing five to 15 people at some point are extraordinarily high mm-hmm. and not just managing them. Like, Hey By the man, time like, you're 19, you, 20 exactly years old. Right. Like, yeah. it's not like, Hey man, like, did you clock in on time? Yeah, like, it's you know, there. Was your spreadsheet, right? The entire like, life, the entire life of that Marine exactly between right. their work, like on work or on base activities and well, as well as your family issues. hundred percent, man. I mean, their hygiene. Yeah. I mean, d- Dude, you didn't take a shower today. 100%, man. That was horrible. No, 100%, man. It's waking up, eating, it's showering. I mean, dude, how many squad leaders do you guys know that used to interview dudes, fiancés, before they left for deployment? They were like, look, like, you got to think through what her motivations are. Like, there aren't managers in the civilian workforce that are interviewing people's fiancés about, can you marry the dude that I'm in charge of, right? Like, guys in 29 Palms were like, look, sweetheart, like, what are your motivations here? And look, I'm not saying there was a a lot of incredible women that got married for all the right reasons to the right But there's a lot of girls named Cinnamon, too. Right. And, like, I think it's, you know, some some girls named Cinnamon are cool. But I'm saying that, you know, there were, uh, there were definitely. She's just a, she's just a waitress. She's not a dancer. That's right. But that level, that level of leadership and that level of, like, involvement with your guys, you, you apply that to a job on in a plant you apply that to a job in an office you apply that to a sales job i mean the level of of care that you that you give to your team at that point is just different they know how to do that inherently and And that's i think that's one of the the things that i try as a veterans advocate to to explain to people who are the hiring authority mm -hmm. that veterans whether they're they're air force marine corps army coast guard whatever they they have a set of skills that you cannot teach a college student that's right um and so i I impress upon them, look, try a veteran out. I will tell you the exact veteran to hire for this job if you just let me. And um, they they always come back and say, dude, thank you so much for introducing me to so-and-so. Uh, he's doing an excellent job. It's because he's a leader. It's because he understands attention to detail. He understands what work ethic and honor, courage, and commitment is. And he lives that on a daily basis. And so that's, that's why I love working with veterans. But um, let's go back to... Um, American-born moonshine, you actually had to do some serious, serious research yeah, no, absolutely. to make what you have today. And that included a, a trek of some sort, I guess, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. So we came back. We spent that year on the road. And uh, during that year, came back in and out of Nashville, more than 70 recipes we really liked. Um, and worked with the local bartender scene here. I mean, one thing we were good at was drinking at bars and uh, <laughs> made a lot of friends that were bartenders. And I mean, our the three recipes that ended up becoming American Born were really just a function of feedback we got on each recipe and then creating three recipes that the whole Nashville community was proud of, which is why, I mean, I think, you know, when we go into bars now, we're incredibly honored by the support we get from the, from the folks behind the bars in Nashville. But man, they created the recipes. This goes back to 2012 when we were, when we were coming up with the whole concept. And so by the time we launched in 2013, every bartender at the bars we were going to had had some say in the product. Um, and, uh, you know, them and the kid in the hoodie behind the cash register at every retail store across the country, those are our bootleggers in yeah. addition to our team on the ground, which is why we're running this program called Be a Bootlegger and Share the Shine. 
Awesome. So tell us the three uh, uh, moonshine, I guess, uh, flavors? Is yeah. That, okay. yeah. Yeah. It's whatever it is, man. What, <laughs> what are the, the three uh, moonshines that you sell? Yeah. So we have an original, just pure play mountain moonshine. We call it White Lightning. It's 103 proof. Oh. Um, it's uh, oh. just all it is is just traditional moonshine, man. It's corn, sugar, and water. It's nine parts corn, one part sugar, and water. Um, it actually, in, if you rub it on your face, it helps grow beards, I heard. Um, it's like man, a, I got these blind like spots in my chest here. I need to try that. <laughs> yeah. I need she to just, try that. Yeah. It yeah. definitely can. My coverage is just struggling, man. I got like stomach coverage and then yeah. thin chest it's coverage. It's not cool. splotchy. It's almost yeah, like one of those exactly. beards that you can't grow. Exactly. Weak yeah. sauce. Weak sauce. Yeah. really salts my beach game. Um, so 103 proof. <laughs> Weak sauce. 103 proof. Um, the next one was the... Apple pie. So we have an 83 proof apple pie. It's 100% corn base with natural apple and natural cinnamon. Um... Honestly, man, I mean, you guys know this, but apple pie is the second most traditional moonshine recipe. Mm-hmm. Basically, if you go to any bootlegger in the South for 25 bucks a quart, you can buy a quart of white lightning and a quart of apple pie. And all the apple pie is is half a quart of white lightning, half a quart of apple juice, like four cinnamon sticks and a caramel candy, and boom, there you go. Um, ours is really traditional. Our competitors make it a 40 proof. We think that's a punt and really soft. So <laughs> moonshine's not 40 proof. It's like third and six, let's punt. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> The uh, our third skew is our sweet tea moonshine we call Dixie. Uh, it's actually a product of a super drunk night with an old buddy of mine from the Marine Corps. We were drinking his family's moonshine recipe, and uh, his mom brought out some sweet tea to sober us up. That didn't we, work out too well. I'm well, guessing. we mixed the two together. They didn't taste it. Honestly, it tasted terrible. We got drunker and drunker and drunker. You can see a consistent theme in my life, <laughs> and uh, it tasted better and better and better. And we were like, "Man, there's nothing more southern than sweet tea and moonshine." We should call it Dixie. And uh, you mix it with lemonade; it's pretty dangerous at the tailgate. Nice, <laughs> yeah. nice. So, why um, only the three? Well, I mean, you, there's yeah. all, there's also other flavors that that kind of encompass what yeah. America is, yep. America. Um, America. But so, do you not like the rest of America? Is that is that? Well, I mean, what about that, Texas? And Texas is a bad. Just, Texas is a badass state, man. I love Texas. We got, we got a lot of listeners in Texas. I uh, love Texas. I've, I've honestly never had a bad time in Texas. In fact, I'm riding a bull at Billy Bob's on November 14th. They've been a great account to us in Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Say that again one more time. So on November 14th, I'm riding a bull at Billy Bob's um, to get to kind of thank them for everything they've done for us as an account, and also because I've always wanted to ride a fucking bull. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. So, um, how can if if a, a person has yet to try American bull? moonshine how can they find this yeah in their absolutely so i mean the two questions one is why only three i mean i think that oh, yeah. the the reason is is such a big part of our job is educating people how to drink moonshine at bars right. um you know we do more than 30 percent of our sales at bars and moonshine's a new category so if you don't know how to order something at the bar when you go up you're not going to order it because you feel like a dork you're like oh whatever i'll just get a jack and coke or i'll get a box of soda whatever you drink and so for us having three skews and three flavors gives us the opportunity to stay really focused and be like, look, drink Dixie with lemonade, drink apple pie as a shot, drink apple pie with soda, drink original. You're, you're refining the brand and just exactly right. instead of, instead of having too much going on, you're saying this is, this is our base maneuver, right? That's right. This, this is how we're going to start it. And if you want to build off that, go from there. Cause I know this, this all falls under uh, windy hill spirits, right? That's right. And so, so there's, there's other, other things coming. I would imagine. Yeah. No, we'll I mean, I think, little, I think that you, look, you know? when we, when we got this started, um, we, uh, we started a moonshine company, and that's what we were doing. But as as we grew, we were able to build an awesome team, man. Every, we, we basically built a platform that we call the bootlegger model. And uh, our we have an integrated field marketing and sales team. We call our bootlegger core. They're killer. I put them up against any sales force in the liquor industry. Um, and as our bootlegger core got better and better, and as we institutionalized those processes, um, we realized that what we were building was a spirits company. And um, you know we have some of the best distribution partners 
in the country and they didn't need to take a chance on a little moonshine company from Nashville. And they did. And our bootlegger core works harder than anybody out there to build the respect of those distributors. And, uh, as those relationships got better and as our processes internally got better, we realized that there was room in our platform to add another brand. And we're actually working on it right now, looking to launch it next year. Mm-hmm. Any uh, hints? You just a little teaser? Nothing whatsoever? Nothing. Yeah. I got okay. nothing. nothing whatsoever well, will involve alcohol. It's OPSEC. Yes, sir. You heard <laughs> it here first, folks. We got alcohol. We got alcohol. Break in the story. Break, break, break. Yeah. Windy Hill Spirits will involve alcohol. More more to be continued following up. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, that's one of the things that we're going to probably try to do on uh, the Marine Corps birthday is celebrate with uh, a Marine Corps tradition is, I mean, I guess having a having a few drinks i mean that's, that's what it, i think that's what the marine corps is about Ton tavern baby yeah yeah um i think maybe maybe there's your new flavor that's it i don't know that's it I mean, um, we'll, we'll dude, see. i guarantee like chesty Poe's great great grandson has like tons of copyright on that or something <laughs> totally. you know totally. so like dude we're not even breaking even we've sold a billion bottles yeah. we're not breaking even but yeah. he's doing all right he's like yeah keep selling them keep, keep selling, selling them american born <laughs> selling for chesty yeah <laughs> Oh. Uh, so okay, so um, where can in in Nashville um, you've got a, a lot of a lot of the uh, main or I guess mm-hmm. Broadway um, locations yep. sell American born. Um, you, your reach right now 13, 14 states. So we're in twenty five states. Twenty five states. That's yep. awesome, man. So twenty five. I heard something you were talking about wanting to be in in thirty by the end of the end of the year. You guys. So we'll that, be that. we'll be in twenty five the end of this year, and we'll be a national brand next year. So nice. we're in every every state every former Confederate state and then every heartland state. And then we're moving West. So we're really proud to say that of the 25 states we're in and the vast majority of those were the number one selling moonshine. Um, we're, we're in 1500 bars in California. I never thought we'd be in, I never thought moonshine would be that big in California out West, but it's going really well. Um, but from California and Arizona to Texas, Minnesota, and down here in the South, it's been a great run. And every state's just been awesome to us, uh, from a distribution perspective and a consumer perspective. Um, I think that as we grow next year, we're really looking to do fill out kind of the Northwest and the mountains, um, and then move into the Northeast, which would be kind well, of the last. Well, talk, talk, talk if you can. And I'm trying to say in as much generalities as possible about, you know, just from all the different people you know I've met and Matt's met, you know, about what it's like having a business across different states, especially when you involve alcohol, like, you know, tax here, tax there, this there, that there, like, you know, how is that? What are some of those hurdles that you've like had to overcome? Like just some yeah. the audience can learn. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, liquor is one of the most regulated industries in the country. Um, it goes back to prohibition, right, and the repeal of it. So we have federal excise tax we have to pay. It's just one. And so there's a forced. Well, no, it's more than that. So there's a forced three tier distribution system. So we are legally obliged to sell to a distributor, who's then legally obliged to sell to retailers and bars. So we can't sell directly. And so to that's bars that's where the three tier comes in. Cause so when it leaves our doors we pay the federal excise tax mm-hmm. when it leaves our doors we pay the federal excise tax when it leaves the distributor's doors they pay state tax and so the distributor acts as basically a state tax collector and then when it leaves the retailer's doors sales tax is applied so I, i'm, I'm so just catch it three times i'm still trying to figure but out where that, does the that ju- comes all out of you out of your pocket though right? no we just get hit on the federal excise tax you can, and so the the distributor absorbs that cost like it's price well or passes it through to us probably the, yeah. yeah okay so i'm yeah. just no i'm just as a small to- supplier so as a small supplier getting started i mean Versus Diageo and Brown Foreman. So Diageo is like a huge liquor company that owns 35 brands. Brown Foreman owns Jack Daniels, Heritage, Tequila, They're big doing brands like right. that. Yeah. yeah. So when they work with a distributor, the margin they work on is obviously yeah, more healthy. Yeah, because cost margin. Yeah, yeah. Because the distributor mm-hmm. likes to push the volume, mm-hmm. needs to push the volume from big brands like that. As a little brand, the distributor makes extra money by passing the cost through to you. 
And so in, as we grow and our relationships get better in states and our brand grows, then our market yeah, as you, as you own more yeah. of the market share and stuff. So but at first, man, you get hammered. And that yeah. first year so is like I'm brutal. just trying to figure out where um, the General Lee comes in because I, I thought that's that's how you transported all your your wares to man. I'm way less cool than the Duke brothers, Dude. man. I can't even get near the General Lee. I think that the General Lee is a drink, though. If you mix Red Bull and Original, we call it a General Lee. That's Boomtown. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, man. Um, how can our listeners find out more about, um, I guess the, yeah, be a bootlegger, share the shine. How, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, we have a bunch of ways to find out about our brand and wrap it up with be a bootlegger. Um, if you go to our website, it's www.americanbornmoonshine.com. We have a find page where if you put in your zip code, it tells you all the retailers that around you that carry the brand. Um, also you can follow us on Instagram, um, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and then we're running currently a national program we call share the shine. Basically, like we said, I mean, our modern day bootleggers and heroes are those kids pushing or adults of legal drinking age, pushing our product <laughs> 21. behind, that's right. 21 pushing our product behind bars and behind cash registers, at retail stores. And I think that not enough brands kind of pay homage to those guys because without them, we don't have a company. And so any of our consumers that are out in the market who take a picture with their bartender or their retailer and raise a jar in front of them, put it on their Instagram and say, hashtag share the shine. We're doing a contest where the best pictures we draw every two weeks and then we'll send prizes to the best pictures, um, gear packages, um, gift certificates, things like that. Well, man, um, you're going to be at Fort Worth next week or not next week, week after November 14th, Billy Bob's in Fort Worth. Okay. And, um, I'm sure you're going to be, um, showing some people how to actually drink moonshine down there. Yeah, man. Hopefully stay on for eight fucking seconds, right? (laughs) That's it. And then, and then drink moonshine after that. Yeah. Drink after. That's it. But, uh, always, uh, always drink responsibly. Do you guys have a catchphrase? Like do always moonshine responsibly. There we go. There we go. Excuse me. Always moonshine in moderation. Hashtag shine in moderation. Shine in. You can find them at BM bootlegger on Twitter. Yes. Um, Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for making the time. I really appreciate it. It's been absolutely blast you guys were blast uh, are you guys gonna be around on the birthday yeah like you yeah, said yeah. i'll yeah. be there awesome. looking forward to it man we get off the plane and come right over bad hangover <laughs> just just we'll, spill we'll, uh, a little hair on the dog you'll be it. all right we'll continue the process that's it right. thank you guys sure, really thank you so it. much honey hey guys this is matthew with the veterans impact radio show have questions about your dd214 or benefits email us it's that easy at info at veterans for more information yeah uh this burger and these kale chips are amazing. I, I, I have been, I have been to a lot of restaurants. But Zach, Zach Jenkins from Electric Slider, I'm telling you, by far the best I've ever had. You know, um, you could find out more about Zach and uh, Electric Sliders at electricsliders.com. But I'm telling you, yeah, I, I it. it's pretty amazing. It's pretty awesome. Happy 240th birthday, Devil Dogs. Semper Fi. Hoorah. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to the Veterans Impact Radio Show today. Zach and I are thankful for our guest and uh, honored to have Sean Koffel from American Born Moonshine here in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Zach, that's a huge show. Huge show. Amazing show. Great stuff and great product. And you can find out more about them at AmericanBornMoonshine.com. And please uh, make sure you shine responsibly. Shine and, responsibly. And also uh, shine in moderation and share the shine. You know, they've got a lot of good things going. You can go on uh, Instagram, social media, and hashtag share the shine. They pick a few winners now and then. You get a, kind of a, you know, a goodie bag of all their stuff, you know, products and everything else. Like, 
Thanks for sharing the shine, doing some good stuff for us. And most importantly, it's going to support a veteran and the things that they're doing after their military service. You know, it's important to have people like like that on the show to be able to say, hey, man, you know, I know what it's like to struggle and transition. And, like, I'm doing something I didn't think I was doing, you know. Like, I really like that you talk about how is it Morgan Stanley, like, now he's doing moonshine. Right. You know, I mean, decided to uh, I'll get off Wall Street and get off investments and get off all that stuff in, uh, yeah. in New York City. Yeah, this is one horse town. I'm going to do something else, you know. Yeah. But, you know, you got to follow your passion or else you're just going to suffer for your own anguish. It was absolutely amazing to hear a story about um, where he came from, from all the way from uh, California, all the way down to Arizona, then joined the Marine Corps, and then also um, went to Iraq in 2000. And I guess, what, what was it? 2000-ish, sometime, 2000. ish no, yeah, four, four, five, and six. Five, yeah, something like that. Four, yeah. five, six, seven. Anyway, um, awesome guest. Uh, if you want to find out more, you can go to veteransimpact.com. You can visit our Facebook page as well to find out more of where they will be and, and who is actually involved in uh, American Moonshine, uh, American Born Moonshine. But uh, thanks again for joining us on the Veterans Impact Radio Show. Zach, until next time, drink water, stay motivated. Adjust rounds and fire for effect. Hoorah. If you appreciate the information that is on this show and you think that it can help other veterans throughout the United States, share the site, veteransimpact.com. If you are someone with the financial means to support the show, please consider donating so that we can continue putting out this word. You can visit veteransimpact.com forward slash sponsors. The financial help will go directly back into the show by allowing us to purchase ad time, advertise for the show, travel to collect intel, and give back to other veterans who may be in need. If you would like to sponsor the show, meaning you would like to advertise on our show, please email info at veteransimpact.com. Here's the bonus. For every $100 that you spend advertising with us, we will put 10% of that ad revenue toward helping a veteran-owned business brand themselves. That means that up-and-coming veteran entrepreneurs who have little to no marketing budget will be able to benefit and reach our listeners and followers as well. So not only are you helping yourself, but you are also helping us continue this show and helping a veteran by affording them the opportunity to get a leg up for success. That's it.